This is the 15th episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm your host, Scott Pugh, and this week we focus on nutrition. We have Arsene Chernov, um, based in Singapore. He is um, a Bachelor of Nutrition Science and has his own um, nutrition coaching company for endurance athletes called Food Buddy. And this is a really interesting discussion where we talk about all the different types of diets that um, endurance athletes can adhere to, uh, the pros and cons of each. We also talk uh, quite a bit about the different vitamins and minerals that uh, that you can supplement with, um, as well as the uh, the the amount of water that sh- you should be taking on either before or or, or during races, um, especially here in Asia, given the given the heat and humidity. Uh, we we also um, talk a bit about his back track record in endurance sports and uh, a pretty impressive Ironman athlete in his own right. He's uh, he's run quite a few ultra marathons as well. So he's um, he's not just a, a technically really um, really well researched in terms of uh, nutrition. He's also um, practiced a lot as a as a as an endurance athlete. So I really enjoyed this discussion. Learned a lot myself. You know, a lot of debate, and um, and I've got quite a few um, quite a few takeaways. Please check the show notes for um, for some of the um, the reports and research um, referenced in the uh, in the discussion. Uh, but without um, without further ado, here is Arseny Chernov. Like the truthful story of they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Hey, Arseni, welcome to the Endurance Asia podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I'm really, really pleased to have you on. I've, um, we've kind of wanted to have someone with a nutrition background on the podcast for a while. And uh, and yeah, you were you were recommended uh, uh, by a guy I know, Dan, um, and he uh, yeah he said oh you've got to get Arseni on. I think he would um, uh, he would be like a really good addition to the podcast. And then when I started researching you, I was like, you're a legit endurance athlete as well. You you consult and advise on nutrition for endurance sports, and you've got a technology company talking about nutrition. So I was like, okay. Got to reach out to you, sir. Um, so yeah, like with that, like it'd be good to give us a bit of a background and the audience a bit of a background of like how you got into nutrition, how you got here in Asia, and and how you got into endurance sports. Yeah, it's all very well interconnected. And uh, uh, I I got into Asia about ten years ago. I moved. Uh, uh, there was actually this is the second place where I live permanently. I travel around and I used to travel around, but like I only moved once. And uh, immediately, pretty, uh, pretty much after I moved, I started gaining weight because I couldn't understand like the com- completely different nutrition pattern. Like the food availability is different, the social, uh, the cultural impact, and uh, just the food choices and the food courts and everywhere. And where, I gained a lot of. Where did you move from? To- I was uh, so I was born in Russia and I lived in uh, uh, in Saint Petersburg all okay. these years. And uh, around ten years ago, I moved uh, to Singapore and like it's. Uh, 
uh, it was in the middle of a minus 25 cent Celsius winter that I moved here. It was like plus 30. So, you know, 50 yeah, degrees. Wow. So it's like completely, like completely reshaped me in terms of uh, like, I did a lot of mistakes and uh, I went, I was already quite a beast back then. Um, I used to be a, a good, uh, a good runner in, in my kind of like uni days, but then work career, whatnot, I was like a beast. And then I got into 110 kg category and I'm 186 um, that was bad and then I figured like I'm doing something wrong and I started kind of like backtracking already here in Singapore and then it was like a so you got up to 110 kg, kg. how tall are you 186 okay wow so it was like BMI 30 30 a lot <laughs> and, like, and were you like uh, like Arnold Schwarzenegger I was like no 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 I was just like fat flat out fat my friend no 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 it's like flat out flabs yeah and uh, I then started to kind of figure what am I doing wrong but then it was like more about hear and say I was listening to a lot of people's advices which in retrospect I realized like do, do not apply a lot of things that we read on Facebook or we, we hear from our mates uh, they're usually like like just reading it up or hearing it up from someone else and origin could be a complete BS actually. So, yeah. um, and then slowly, like I got through like a personal crisis that, uh, I, I think along, along my, a lot of connections in endurance sports, uh, sometimes like is the most common trigger to get into, um, like ultras or marathons. And, uh, yeah, I got into marathons, then triathlons, full Ironman, uh, then ultra distances, uh, self-support and endurance bike rides. So I want to just uh, give a, if you, if you don't mind, I'll give a quick shout out to people that I impressed and uh, mentored me. So huge thank you to Andre Bloomberg, uh, the founder of uh, Hong Kong Four Ultra Trails uh, Challenge, and uh, big shout out to my mentor in uh, nutrition, Matt Fitzgerald, whom like books I read and we met in California several times, and uh, also to my team. So I'm on the integrated riding racing team. And it was like a, a village of coaches that helped me get through my um, through my uh, endurance uh, upbringing. And uh, yeah, these are the kind of fundamental guys that impacted yeah. my, my kind How of do you know Andre? I didn't realize you uh, knew him. Was, I was just uh, introduced through a common connection. And yeah. uh, I was just preparing for my first uh, 100K, not even 100 miler. And uh, we talked and uh, he was very... He just went right into it and advised me a lot of uh, things and I'm very thankful for him. So he's, he's a superstar and very impressive leader and like people follow him and like- Yeah, mate, the godfather bonded, of trail running. And bonded, yeah. Yeah, top bloke. And Stellar inspiration. Yeah, and you say, um, yeah, what, what was it that you were running from? <laughs> what was it that, that so drove your it was, movement? So it was just, uh, I was going through like a personal event, yeah, I guess you, you're, yeah, you're asking. Yeah. yeah. So I, I was, it's a common pattern. Like uh, my, my case was divorce and uh, yeah. separation from my six-year-old daughter. Yeah. Um, and she moved uh, back to Russia. Uh, we now are very well connected. So it's all reestablished. But back then it was like either I, either I go drink a lot and uh, consume a lot of uh, unhealthy food and then probably I will end up even worse <laughs> yeah yeah or i do set myself a goal and i wish everyone sets themselves up to something and then work backwards this yeah. is the only working pattern yeah. i mean it's fascinating you say that because that a lot of people talk about endurance sports as being like addictive they are like a, it is almost like a drug you know when you think about the dopamine effect of it when you think about um all of the actual hormones that it, that it influences within your body. Yeah. yeah and um 
And yeah, and I suppose it's just a, a certainly better drug for you than uh, than alcohol. It is. It, or, uh, it is. It is. Um, and so, you, how long did it take you from um, to drop from 110 kg? Now, what what are you what are you sitting at now? So um, I'm right now 80 uh, 82.9, which doesn't yeah. impress me because I have to do the functional threshold power test for my race team. Um, yeah. we have a very strict rule of the kilo, of, of watts per kilogram. Yeah, uh, my ideal race weight was maybe about 79. Yeah, uh, so I'm about maybe like three above. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's about a good a good thirty kg. So yeah. I'm down down from from there, and it's um, it's also a big a huge uh, huge testimony to nutrition, not only just to physical exercise, but this is what brought me to the kind of nutrition uh, studies. And I've done a formal uh, specialist diploma in nutrition science here in Singapore. I invested like a year of. Uh, uh, of, of proper study. So I had a lab coat and I measured protein content in food and like the high performance laser chromatography for carbohydrates and for lipids. It was weird here in uh, NYP in Singapore. Right. After work, like just jump on a jump on a cab and go study like till till nine till nine thirty in the labs. It was pretty phenomenal. Um, and yeah, so one of the one of the nutrition um, one of the nutrition tweaks that um, changed a lot on me was uh, when when my uh, I met my uh, wife to be so uh, my partner Lily. We run the food blog Food Buddy on Instagram. You probably seen we have like fourteen thousand followers. This is our main channel. So she actually tweaked. She had a tear in her neck disc, and she uh, was going through quite a bit of like struggle with that and we tweaked her nutrition along with mine and we set up on the very healthy uh, lean forward kind of like course of uh, course of na just natural nutritional choices to reduce weight to make sure that the uh, there's enough minerals, enough uh, vitamins in our diet, in, uh, in our nutritional choices, in, in our family. And uh, yeah, she healed herself uh, pretty much through light exercises and food. And uh, yeah. we didn't do any surgery and she's doing duathlons now, so she's okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay, and so when you, like, when you decided to sort of get, what was the first thing you signed up for as like an endurance event? Was it, was it 100K? It was a, no, 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 it was a stand chart marathon. So Got before you. that, before before that was like 10k runs yeah and i didn't do any halves i'm like okay i'll just do a marathon whatever yeah. and i think i was actually this decision was severely influenced by tequila shots uh, as usual so. uh, yeah the, the worst decisions <laughs> are always made yeah. but that, but that was like the start and then you started training for that and realized how important nutrition would be to sort of drop later on well. actually later on so i first done uh, i first done marathon and when i did stand chart i was about 90 kg it was like a four our four on the dot or something like 401 uh, marathon but then I was doing prep for uh, I've done a bike ride in uh, in Melbourne there is this great ocean road uh, Grand Fondo called Amy's Grand Fondo mm -hmm. so I've done that and uh, I think I realized how nutrition is important when Aussie grannies I blame them Aussie grannies if you're there listening to me I love you so the story goes there were a couple of grannies in the category 65 plus yeah. that were overtaking me on a very long climb from the Great Ocean Roads upward into northbound kind of like plateau. Yeah. It was like a 5K long climb, really yeah. steep long climb. And there were two grannies like in their, like in their cool bikes uh, chatting, you know, bantering. And they actually, their age group started 35, 35 minutes after my wave. Right. So they caught up. 40k into the race they caught up this 35 minutes and they were easily overtaking me through the banter uphill and i'm like 
<laughs> training is not enough. Like grannies definitely know something. And then I'm like, if training is not enough, then what? Then nutrition. So that's how it uh, rolled up. And then I did like a half Ironman. And since then I did six full Ironmans. My personal best is in Cairns uh, in 2017, I did a 1038 or 1039. Wow. Wow, that's, that's impressive. And so you didn't, you've done six, so like mainly around Australia, have you done? Mainly in Australia. Shout out to these uh, volunteers supporting Aussie Ironman events. Thank you guys, you're doing a great, yeah, really cool that, events. I, I know a few of the people that work in the team down there and it's, uh, yeah, they do a really good job. Um, so you've done like Bustleton and... Uh, Basso, Cairns, these are kind of my alternating, alternating two choices, but I, I'll probably settle in for Cairns. It's one of the most scenic, it's considered, I think top five or something like top 10 Ironmans in the world. It's one of the scenic most Ironmans and very, very, very well supported. Like a lot of cheerful um, Queensland people and it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. And so what, what's your kind of philosophy on nutrition and how is it, how has it changed from when you, you started focusing on it through like, going through years of study through it and, and now we're obviously running a business around it. Like how is your, how has your philosophy on nutrition evolved during that time? Well, first I understood that there is no golden kind of like silver bullet or like one gold standard, like that applies to everybody. And uh, I think everyone should just realize that uh, by eating a supplement or altering the, uh, the diet to something, you will probably not perform better. You will change something in your body but uh, it all comes uh, in, a, in a massive uh, combination of uh, uh, your training, your nutrition, your sleep and your social life and just like how, how morale is developed inside of you, like how you actually drag yourself out to do the four previously said, previously yeah. mentioned things. Yeah. So that, that thing is fundamentally what I kind of teach in my, uh, in my workshops and one-on-one uh, -on -one to my mentees. I'm trying to pass like, Hey, it's all in you. We were, we were actually were hunters hundreds, like thousands of years, tens of thousands of years ago. We were running around without nutrition for a couple of days and it was okay. But at the same time, we would then kill like a big animal and eat it. And uh, then we will also be okay. So we are very like, we are survivors. Like we can do really crazy stuff. That uh, is a testimony to what uh, 166K runs are, are doing to us. What I learned though, is like, it's all about very individual choices. Uh, lots of the th lots of the things would need to be uh, just resonated against your biochemical like blood test, like mm. as e as easy as that. Like, what's your cholesterol level? Like, what mm. are the what are the deficiencies that uh, a clinical test of your blood will show? Like, starting point is always like a nutritional needs assessment. You don't just jump into conclusions. You really need to understand whether like you have enough protein because your skin is like peeling or not peeling, your hair is falling or not falling, like whether you have this or that, you need to have a proper assessment of where you live, where's your lunch place nearby the work, what is available, what is not available uh, in shops. Uh, back to my um, example, when I moved to Singapore, it was like a completely different world of like shopping. 10 years ago, Singapore didn't have all the variety of uh, retail stores that we had for like European meals, right? Oatmeal yeah. was like very seldom found, yeah. so something like that. So, and among these kind of assessment things, individually, you figure out back to the discussion of goals, what are you trying to achieve? So if you want to sustain your weight, uh, because sometimes people train a lot, but they are not losing weight, right? So that's something 
um, uh, of, of a mistake or not, or you're trying to reduce your weight because you probably are in the obese category, or you're trying to recover faster, or just you need uh, some coaching in terms of uh, moderation because you're you, you're sometimes impacted by your social life and like you need to just understand what is what is available and how to see the patterns of the food choices in the menu that will not affect your training if and you will not feel guilty for that. And it's yeah. very individual. It's, it doesn't yeah. take long. Um, we're not speaking about the, uh, the level of Eliad Kipchoge, who is like with his um, carbohydrate gel. Um, what's that brand that he used in, uh, in this? Uh, um, Morton. So that, that new, the new gel, the 80 grams, uh, 80 grams of carbohydrates that's uh, pulled in you. Or we're not speaking the ultra it performance. The ma- what's the maximum amount? that you can intake within an hour this is this is what they do they tweak they tweak it like so that your intestine with the ph level in your stomach basically your intestine converts the 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 the, the bacteria and ph level in your in your stomach uh allows the drinkable the fluid state uh carbohydrate drink to be converted into something called like a gel and it basically goes through the intestine wall faster um, there were some control studies that put it into debate. Like actually, mm-hmm. some some studies suggested like it doesn't actually work, but uh, clearly it works for Kipchoge. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. this is like an extreme level. Or another extreme level, we're talking about like Froome, Chris Froome, yeah. in Giro d'Italia when he was on the five-day pattern of reducing his body weight, so that when it comes to stages with a lot of climbs, he has an advantage uphill because like he every day power he recovers to weight power to weight ratio is enhanced to so like on the flats on the team trial on the first couple of days he's smashing it and then like when when it comes to climbing yeah. he's able to recover daily but at the same time reduces the body weight and they reduced him by i think like a kilo or like half a, i think half a kilo i don't remember exactly but like through the five day reduce half a kilo over like over for a professional athlete that's a lot of nutritional tweaks and he was yeah. eating all these haribo gummies and like candies as a recovery so we're not talking that yeah. right we're talking just like general pattern of like what's good for you and working backwards because these extreme levels they are very aspirational but in reality people they don't fit for the normal human we're in the, being. Yeah, we're just... I say we're all normal. We're all normal, say. yeah. Yeah, we're like, we're all 99.9% genetically the same, but essentially when you're an elite athlete... It's, it's a just total a, different it's ballpark. It's such fine-tuning when it comes to diet, nutrition, and everything. And a- the- another example about survival, there was this, uh, there's this channel called Vice on, on YouTube. And yeah. If you go there and find, there is like a video that they published couple of weeks ago or a week ago a guy was eating mac and cheese macaroni and cheese for 17 years he's (laughs) still alive (laughs) he doesn't look fit like he doesn't look like he's gonna run like a 5k on any kind of split like he will probably do that but like he has some disease like some order disease that when he eats something that is not mac and cheese he just like wants to vomit. Like it's yeah. it's a different altogether level. So we're talking about tweaking the endurance in a regular human being, not like Froome level and whatnot. Yeah, I'm not specializing in 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 this high end top notch. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I suppose my my biggest takeaway from what you've just said then is that we are all different, and totally. and there's no there's no like perfect diet. For, for everyone Individual. and so so your I suppose from what I was talking about one of your like best recommendations is initially is to do blood work and to find out where you are in terms of your blood lipid profile like 
Um, what are the other main sort of factors that you would be looking for to on like testing to find where? Well, your what's your oral is? like? What's your OGTT? I always recommend doing what's the oral gluco glucose tolerance test. Yeah. So whether you have any marker for diabetes, I mean, yeah. by by any DNA legacy or something like that, or just like you take too much sugar and your your blood blood, uh, blood sugar levels are already good. Uh, already going high so doing this too is something that i always recommend to my mentees yeah uh, and then i mean i'm speaking How's about that test conducted so you just take a blood um every level. every every i think quarter an hour yeah so you're you're basically taking blood and uh, uh that's before you take a very condensed juice uh like yeah. orange juice with a lot of sugar yeah and then every quarter hour they draw a curve how fast uh, your insulin response allows you to kind of convert it convert the glucose into glycogen so that's yeah. your glucose uh, tolerance test OGTT yeah so I highly recommend doing that and just look at the blood profile first first thing first like and then um, what's available getting back to like where you are what's in the living range like you don't have to travel 20 miles to buy something you know you need to understand what's available in your surrounding and then match it against the goals this is the this is the kind of approach that i've taken and it worked for me it works pretty much for any mentee so i have people that lost like 10 kg in two months just by just by thinking about the system of variables around them and tweaking it to the regular different process yeah so so where do you sit on really like counting macros like like protein carbohydrate and and fats compared to like looking at overall sort of calories in calories out like is there yeah where, where do you sit on that sort it, of dichotomy it, it's a, it's a good question so the um the i take the foundation approach so i take a, a look at the estimated energy requirements and yeah. uh Again, that is um, it, either an equilibrium to maintain the weight or a, a pattern to reduce if you want to lose weight. And uh, we're talking about athletes, aspired athletes want to perform either faster or just not fail, <laughs> like yeah. not DNF. Uh, so usually it's like about the weight reduction. And then from the estimated energy requirement, uh, you're able to derive like what is it your kind of carbohydrate intake a day, your protein intake a day, and your like fat intake a day. You can derive it from there. This is a scientific approach. Yeah. Another approach that I follow personally is uh, that, and, and like an just, overlay of seven days. So just to yeah. interject on that one, yeah. I think for for most people, like and a lot of our listeners to the podcast, a lot of people we have on are amateur athletes, and awesome. they've got job, wife kids like and same me, same yeah. me. <laughs> and, and being that and, and then like they get their training in where they can and actually calculating exactly the energy that they do like how much energy they need for it and then calculating the macros and being able to sort of check for each meal being able to like okay. weigh, like weighing stuff that's it's like the, no 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 that's tough. that's too complicated that that doesn't work it's so like the work. second part the second part you're right so the second part is like once you know your er um you're basically getting er you, being energy estimated it's it's a term it's yeah. a, it's an estimated energy requirement which is yeah. the uh physical activity level that you can get from your strava we like all these trackers they estimate yours and, and then i said like overlay seven days your last right. seven day sliding window is always applicable so if you're right, yeah. if you're not exercising a lot then reduce it 
So the, uh, um, the physical activity level, the basal metabolism, and also the thermic effect of food, which is another like about 10, 15% that people actually forget about. So 10, let me just break that down quickly. So you've got your, the, the predicted amount of EER, yeah. um, which is based upon your last seven days worth of uh, training. Then you've got your basic metabolic level, no, which no, no, is, no, no. So, no, yeah, so Okay, let, let's do that. So you go, hey, everybody open up their browsers, go Google for EER online calculators and yep. then take they will take basically your uh, age height uh, weight and uh, and uh, your physical activity level if I'm not mistaken which is like four categories like sedentary to like extreme yep. so I recommend uh, and that already EER includes the physical activity level the BMR for the age weight and uh, height and whatnot and the thermic effect of food so thermic effect of food is like people forget that 15% of our daily calories intake is used to process the food that we take. And it's like, if you think about a 2000 calories diet, it's like 300 calories a day. It's like, don't forget about it. It's a TEF, yeah. right? A and that's just your body metabolizing the what food. You like, metabolize the food. Like flat out, just food food conversion takes like body by body, 15% of food. So uh, anyways, so the physical activity level in that formula on the ER, I suggest that you look at your seven days back of training and then you average on it. It's like one of the easiest way to, to approach it. Yeah. Um, the reason being is uh, like you're, uh, you're not responding to a gap in, in a day or two. Like if you're tapering um, before the race, it don't, it, even if you're tapering, it takes you like two days. So you take an average and then you add to like a sedentary or a mild active, even if you're training like, like my teammates on IRT and myself like 12, 15 hours a week, squeezing it between the kid and the wife that you mentioned and like the work, you can still do it. There are ways to do it. There are books about it. So um, even if you're if you, even if you're training that high or not training that high, Strava it will show you like what is your average uh, ride, what is your daily kind of like calorie, and then you can derive what's your weekly calorie uh, physical activity level. Hmm. So you add it on top of the EER, and this is your kind of average target. Yeah. And then you can derive. We're blessed in Asia; it's not bad at all in Asia. Uh, Singapore is very strict on the nutrition information panels. Australia is just through the roof developed. I, like it's one of the most developed uh, nutrition information panels uh, uh, regulation. Yeah. Um, everything we see is well measured. Um, we, we, we can derive what's available again. Like you get the second step is get bored, like flat out bored to, to be successful. Diet is like what is needed, like ER second one. How do I achieve it? Mm -hmm. And uh, getting bored is like what is uh, an outcome of the nutrition assessment, uh, where your office is, what's your pre like predominant lunch places, what are, the, what are the food choices on that menu, what can you do? I ran a, I ran a survey in, uh, in, in my Instagram and about uh, 400 athletes, quite inspiring athletes around the world, they responded that 35% of times they eat uh, the same like food over the over the week 35 mm. oh sorry so 35% out of this um, 400. Three, 400 people responded that they eat five or six times the same choice for a yeah. given uh, for, for a given meal so that's just getting bored equals getting successful yeah, so you that's that's actually really interesting and I think taking decisions out of our day-to-day -day life, whether it be what yep. you're going to wear in the day, whether it's what you're going yep. to eat, the time you're going to eat, all that. So taking those decisions but, out makes 
having less decisions to make because like, hunger versus appetite like it's yeah. in the end like you're trying to battle as much as possible you're trying to battle uh the appetite you want to make sure that you address the hunger that's why you never skip breakfast breakfast keeps you going right like do you skip breakfast every day you skip breakfast every day try not skipping the breakfast like i'll talk uh, to you and later. yeah <laughs> and, and, and i'm interested to debate on this because yeah, so, yeah. like, i'll give you my philosophy around right. it um so i i believe in uh, in time restricted eating and eating yeah. within a specific window i also believe when it comes to endurance sports becoming fat adapted is really really important okay and so i find that training in the morning i'll always run to work or so i always train fasted in the morning oh it's it's a good protocol like you're following it particularly you're following the so-called um uh it's called the morning low protocol so you still have to take a break after that to replenish because you're you're using up running to job running to job or like doing some morning exercise you still need to have a break afterwards yeah. like i also ride lh5s i ride with the guys sentosa wednesdays whatnot like we ride like a lot and in singapore you can only exercise at 5 a.m right yeah so i i genuinely believe that for uh successful 10 plus hours training skipping breakfast is not a good idea because you will then get hungry by lunchtime and lunchtime is when you really want to get bored and not do any mistakes, especially in our busy life. So yeah. one of the reasons, again, like I'm not taking, I'm not talking about the athletes that work from home and they live somewhere in the suburbs of Sydney. Hey guys, Makars Creek, I love it. So like you have a lot of followers in Sydney, I guess, right? So I, we've got a few, yeah, yeah. yeah so sure, yeah. cool. Like if you're living suburbs somewhere in like not Singapore downtown kind of uh, uh, working conditions, when you when you work from home like five days a week or four days a week, it's totally different. But like in uh, Singapore or like downtown office life where you're rocking up, your your lunch would be as like light as possible and as boring as possible. And that's only possible if you loaded your decent amount of good, healthy amount of energy through the brekkie. Then you have a snack in the afternoon and that snack is a handful of nuts. I mean, portions aside, one of the things that you can also take a look at the diet of like thinking about portions. This is what Matt Fitzgerald is advocating for. This is what my, uh, when I launched an app, like this is what my premise was like count portions portion of a fruit or portion of a nut in like maybe like 3 to 5 p.m. as a good snack. Uh, Apple is, has a highest uh, among the fruits, sure. highest satiety index. Oh, There's really? the satiety index that uh, basically equal... And satiety just making you feel full, it's, the fiber yeah, it's a it product. You... Yeah, for satiety fights the uh, appetite by addressing the hunger and you address the hunger by uh, figuring out the fiber content in food. So satiety yeah. is measured by uh, equal amount of calories per 100 grams. But like there is a, a controlled study where people are not like eating after like yeah. 20 minutes, 30 minutes or 40 minutes. So interestingly though, if you have apple juice, like it doesn't, you take doesn't fiber work, out, yeah. it doesn't yeah, work. It doesn't so, work. Yeah. yeah. So like the, the, the white bread in, in satiety index, the white bread is like the canonical 100%. So apple actually shoots at about 138%. So it's actually more yeah. filling at the same amount of calories. It's more filling that a loaf of white bread and mm-hmm. say handful of peanuts actually is lower than white bread it's actually it, there's some i don't remember the name of that enzyme that has it but it provokes more more eating and the lowest is like uh brownie because <laughs> because yeah, of yeah. the dopamine level pure you want sugar, it, it's pure sugar dopamine level up and you want so basically having a snack with like almonds or yeah. um, um apple apples are the best like having a snack three to five 
and then you have a, a either evening exercise therefore like you you tweak your it's very individual you tweak your evening supper right so yeah. dinner like whatnot or if you're lean on the training that day just cruising along and you always go bored for lunch that's why brekkie helps you you really want to make sure that okay this is my brekkie choice three times a week i'll i'll have that in the fridge um, I'll take it to um, I'll take it to work sometimes, and lunch should be bored. But you will have all these occasions where you have social team lunches, whatnot. So you need to always kind of factor in some buffer. Yeah. And uh, this is where like I I never count up to like this is not possible, this is not doable. Feeling guilty is bad. Like if you the the the, the thing is like if you've done something outside of your regular pattern. Just exercise more or reduce the next day. But yeah. the fundamental goal is like never to skip a breaky, uh, get stupid bored, like really yeah. reduce the choices and always snack. Snack at like three to five, like apples, uh, nuts. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it seems like a really strong framework. I mean, I just personally, I, um, I find that having that eating window, like I, I have lunch and then we'll have like snack in the afternoon often nuts and then have like a an evening meal and i just what i, I i've got a fridge in the office so i get delivery of salad and i i make myself a massive salad but just like drowned in olive oil but just like loads of um loads of fresh veg basically and then some cheese in it some maybe a tuna or or, or something along those lines but but one thing i do is like i don't because it's quite satiating but i like i'll have eat basically as i don't really count it i just eat as, until i'm no no longer hungry really that's, so that's like this is the pattern that like and there will be no kind of ways to measure things for the next i guess like 100 years the tests that i've done like the uh the uh, probes you know like the the dream of uh, the dream of our like amateur athletes is like to have something like a pen and then you stick it into the food and it gives you like okay this is like that many calories this no there will not happen for the next 50 or even maybe like 100 years yeah. there is no sensor like that even in design it's just not possible because fundamentally to measure for different contents like of protein and carbohydrates different protocols like you cannot do that in one device not possible yeah. but you can train yourself do the combinatory counting combinations of uh, most co again get to, to the problem of getting not to the problem to the solution of uh, why getting bored is uh, is the way to do because you can combine like mentally just count things up once like what is your salad that you repeat five times a week what is it worth in like yeah and then you know and then exactly, you know what, exactly what it do. is yeah and combinatory tracking is a different approach to measurements because what you see like the, the nutrition information panel is a very expensive thing you need to send the, the, the food to the lab and it's like it's it's expensive but like you can combine things you can just approximate plus minus blah 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 and this is what you when you're setting up your nutrition plan and getting bored you're basically narrowing the window of deviation and then yeah. the another approach is that you can count count portions like you know that your salad is one portion of veg one portion of nuts one portion of oil and portion wise you always and you can stack the portions in a particular decreasing amount per week and you can then count portion this is matt federal's side original idea is matt federal matt, matt, matt federal he's the author of 80 20 running yeah yeah, yeah. i've read this book yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. 80 yeah. 20 running the nutrition uh endurance diet yeah. uh, really cool guy like with uh, he li lives in pleasanton in pleasanton in in california really yeah. cool 80 20 running is great 
great book. Yeah, actually. one of the really one of the one of the one, actually that is the book that uh, inspired me to to keep on uh, to, to 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 just go deeper in that. And I reached out to Matt. We talked, and he uh, like him and I we, we talked a lot. He's he's yeah. really great. I think he's now training in some high altitude camp, if I'm not mistaken. He moved to Colorado, if I'm. No, I might be yeah, wrong. I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Wait, check it. Um, so Matt, how, Matt, where are you? <laughs> yeah. How do you um, how do you compare nutrition plans for the different types of endurance sports? So, I mean, we've covered a lot of endurance athletes, ranging from ultramarathon mm-hmm. to um, like long distance cyclists mm-hmm. or like sportives to adventure racers mm-hmm. to um, you know. Mm-hmm. marathon or um or then into Ironman as well mm-hmm. like yourself so um yeah how do you, f- do you do you just like lump endurance uh athletes all into the same kind of camp when it comes to nutrition plans for them or do, do you have to tweak depending on the i think the discipline i think the uh, the common denominator is gravity we're trying to fight gravity. We're not sumoists. We're not. Uh, we're not boxers in a weight category where impulse matters, right? So yeah. gravity can only be defied by mass because gravity is like a constant thing, right? The mass of Earth doesn't change. So for you to bounce uh, less up and actually propel yourself more forward, you need to make sure that your mass is lower. <laughs> like yeah. uh, you cannot change the opponent's mass. It's a planet, right? Yeah. So I, I guess fighting fighting <laughs> mass is only one way. I mean, it's just weight reduction. So there are many ways to achieve that, and many people again have different restrictions. Some religiously uh, follow veganism. Some people. It's funny that like a lot of people that I talk to, they're like. Oh, I watch this movie and I do the same thing. It's just like I eat eggs and I drink milk. And I'm like, well, you know, kind of then you're not kind of vegan at all. You're like this, this scientific nomenclature name would be the ovo-lacto-vegetarian. And it's not very different from just eating habitually meat sometimes, you know, like. And yeah. So, you know, I mean, it's very some choices that people make for some reason. Some people are following a particular uh, religious constraints and they're like, um, I have a neighbor, by the way, like this is this is not to say anything bad, but like I have a um, family uh, that are like strict vegans and they're massively obese because they just use a lot of deep fried like veggies. And it, yeah. at the same time, I'm like, are you healthier? Like I'm, I'm not talking to them, but I know them. And I'm like, are they healthy or not? Like, what are yeah. they? Mm. So back to the mass problem, it, there are many ways to kind of uh, uh, attach to the dilemma of like reducing weight. There are there are multiple ways. Some come with some byproducts. Uh, like I've I've researched the controlled studies on the low carb, for example. Like people like and again. So summing up, all sports and endurance are about reducing weight, like yeah. redu- redu- weight reduction, and uh, then being able to metabolize 200 whatnot calories an hour easily from gels you can train yourself for that um, because your event lasts for like 10 plus hours you need to make sure that you're like comfortable of eating your amount of calories an hour so that's kind of summing it up you can arrive at weight reduction from multiple ways you can do keto you can do low carb high fat some of the researchers show that there is no particular endurance benefit in doing anything but like a regular World Health Organization recommended 55% of calories from carbs, 30% protein and like um, the, uh, the the rest from fats. Some, some, some people prefer to do it because they believe in it and it helps them. 
okay like whatever whatever works for you i advocate for the carbohydrate rich in a balanced way carbohydrate rich diet just because i know it works and just because and i did try uh low carbs doesn't really like do it massive difference for me and also there are controlled studies that show that okay lchf like it does improve the uh, vo2 kind of the the oxidative capacity that you can squeeze through your cardiovascular system and extract more from your um, slow twitch muscles but at the same time you can also up your vo2 max by doing interval training and doing the high like high intensity training intervals like it's equilibrium right you have yeah i mean ways. there's a few different ways to skin a cat yeah, right yeah. of being able to improve overall in performance i think the my biggest takeaway from what you're saying there is is re if you're doing endurance sports reducing weight and increasing your power to weight ratio is, is gonna help you no matter what so yes. like carrying any extra weight is only gonna slow you down is yep. pretty much that's the that's just the mass the gravity the very fundamental physics and uh we we all we all want to find like this silver bullet but there is basically none yes yeah. yeah i mean i've been and talked about it on the podcast uh, uh quite a bit as well and you know like ben pullum from coached as well yep. and he's got um he's a big advocate of the low carb high fat um nutrition plan perfect um and i've i before i met with ben a lot i've known for a couple of years now but i i think it, it's been about two and a half years that i've been following of like a loosely a low carb high fat diet um i just i've lost loads of weight like it's and and uh, i went from 94 kg down to i'm like kind of 78 79 now I'm sort of similar height to you um and uh and it just it's something that I've been able to follow. So it's worked for me. Like I've been able to get my, you say getting bored, you know, I've had that simple, like this is my diet for a week. I know what I'm going to eat and I know how it affects my, my keto levels. I know how it affects my um, ability to burn fat. And, um, uh, and I've been able to sort of like kind of maintain that. <clears throat> the more research I do though, and, and actually the more like training I do and coming towards like races, knowing that you like you have to cycle cycle in carbohydrates either yeah if you're going to be doing a race and you're not having carbohydrates no, then you're not going to be performing to your bet to your <clears throat> optimum the way yeah. the way it all boils down to is glycogen is the major form of actively available energy in us right so you can you can do on water and your own fats as long as like as long as you as as long as you're conscious but it will be slow yeah you you're, need to maintain a lower heart rate to be yeah, able to do yeah you you're basically you're throwing in the word there called race which is automatically meaning that your respiratory quotient like what you're breathing it will show that you will use glycogen anyway because yeah. it's a race you will have even at the start line, you will have uh, with your amount of uh, cortisol through like just the excitement of like adrenaline levels around you, you will have a heart rate which is 10 bips 
higher than you anticipate a regular one. But back to the LCHF, actually one of the, uh, one of the uh, um, really cool guys that I follow, uh, shout out to Jeff Rothschild. He's, uh, he's, he was based in LA, he now moved to New Zealand doing his PhD there. So the recent paper um, that he's done and with a few other authors, uh, it's about the dietary manipulations. And uh, this is actually dietary manipulations concurrent to endurance training. Let me quote something here. Mm. So over the past 20 years, research suggests that strategically reducing carbohydrate availability during an athlete's training can modify the metabolic response. Um, several methods have been explored to manipulate uh, carbohydrates availability, and they include low carb, high fat diet, right? Performing a two a day training without glycogen restoration, right? So or training fasting, training, train, no, tra train, no oh, restore. So like, immediately eating you just burned, yeah, you just burned 2000. We as humans, we have about 2000 calories worth of glycogen when we are like fully uh, loaded. loaded. Yeah, fully yeah. stored. And yeah. we can't store any more than that. Like, no, you know, it's not possible. It's like yeah. liver, it, the, the glycogen stores, is like battery cells. It's yeah. like uh, uh, some, most of it is in liver. Uh, something in muscles, muscles yeah and a little bit in the blood so like uh, a, a 70 kg person would have about two uh, about 400 450 grams of uh, glycogen so that's by readily four available yeah readily available but by four is like 1800 calories so it's about 2000 calories you can easily burn like 2000 calories by doing repeats on uh, in, on the bicycle but basically let me let me read that i want to sure. quote that arguments in favor of trying to increase fat burning capacity focus around the ability to utilize the large stores of um, lipids found in even in the very lean athletes so nice even a very lean athlete you send him through the dexa scan very precise eight percent fat i did dexa scan last year i was very lean i was 11 percent fat nice a lot of futile right you think about it um, but um, despite the theoretical advantage measurable performance improvements from deliberately increasing fat burning capacity have been elusive that's that's the paper. So again, here and say versus scholar.google.com. Like just yeah. have a habit of cross-checking on scholar, costs you nothing, very good search engine that is just about the research and it's all very very fundamental, easily read. Each of these methods can confer beneficial metabolic adaptations for the endurance athlete during increases in mitochondrial enzyme activ activity. Um, and the rates of fat oxidation. However, the data showing a direct performance benefit is still very unclear. So again, controlled study, you have people doing low carb, high fat for the protocol of three weeks. You have people doing something, you have their uh, sub-maximal performance against like a placebo or in a control study. Sub-maximal performance is the race performance, right? It's yeah. not your habitual way to reduce weight. I'm, I'm very yeah. supportive of LCHF and like, and again, I'm just, it, it, it works right? yeah and, and this is not being dogmatic as well i just yeah. like, i like i mean really interested in the debate about it because so the, the one thing we talked about there was race okay and when you consider a race like if you're running a marathon race then you're going to be averaging like a 155 to 160 say beats per minute like heart rate and yeah. whereas that's why I was asking about the differing, because like, then if you're doing an Ironman, yeah, you're going to yeah. be slower and you're going to be going no, you at lower heart rate. No, guys, you will not be slower in an Ironman. If you're doing an Ironman, you keep on throwing your tailwinds and your gels and you're, you're but just you, like... you maintain a, a lower heart rate than you would do at a marathon pace. 
Uh, no, I mean it will be like you you're gonna smash it. it again, back to the back to the race thing. Define race. What's your result? If you really want to do something without training much, you can then hide biohack something. But if you really want to do a sub ten. Uh, sub 10 Ironman, you gotta smash it. You gotta you gotta really throw in a lot of gels. You gotta throw in a lot of uh, a lot of effort into it. And your heart rate, you don't even look at your heart rate. You look at when you're riding a 180 180k bike leg, you look at it. Your watts. You want to sustain your watts, not your heart rate. You want to yeah. make sure that you're not making your legs tired because there is another 42k to run after the bike leg by sticking to your 210 or whatever 220 average of 30 seconds. That's yeah. that's how you run it. You don't look at the heart rate. Yeah. So, but I, the reason I bring it up though is because there's a correlation between um, if you're like efficient fat burner, you can tell at the specific heart rate that you're more likely to be burning glycogen or fat. That's the respiratory quantum. It shows you that, right? So yeah. that that is a factor of many things. That includes your lungs alveoli like percentage. How many alveoles that actually convert the uh, the air contains oxygen oxygen is only like one-fifth of what we inhale right yeah. five liter lungs one liter of oxygen potential but you cannot convert all of it because you don't have those alveoles in your lungs right so then you have your arteria you have your heart the heart has heart itself as a muscle it has the maximum stroke volume and it plateaus it says at a certain heart rate yeah. so what you're referring to is like what at which rate do you switch to glycogen consumption versus like respiratory quotient, right? So like yeah. what you exhale versus what you inhale shows the mixing of like the two types of fuels. I mean, that's one way. Yeah, that's the, the like the way that you test. For yeah, it, and, and, it's, and it's been around like for many, many years. You definitely want to mix in fat. But again, that implies that for the race, you already prepared yourself. You already have the maximum VO2 max that you could have achieved through your preparation. Like it's your A race, right? Once a year. You're yeah. preparing for that marathon for half a year, you want to lose it. Yeah, I, I suppose so. what I'm getting at though is that my point for like, it, you're more likely to be burning a high level of glycogen at a marathon distance race than if you're doing an ultra marathon, a hundred miler say, where you're going to be going at a much more reduced pace and more in a like in a fat burning zone where if you are better fat adapted then you'll be able to you'll, you'll there'll be less requirements to take on glycogen during the course it's, of the race it's not i think here is the amateur athlete's mistake effort is something that you set for yourself if you want to run a hundred miler and your muscles would not be destroyed you can replenish protein through the uh, through the duration of your hundred miler or a multi-day run if you want to run faster you can run faster there is no way that your effort is like you said it yourself right your effort for the particular result in a particular race is what you said in a hundred miler or even longer you still have your gels your sachets of carbohydrates or whatever yeah. or like the aid or the aid stations or backdrops it's up to you to define what is your performance level for a particular distance there is definitely the like any event has a matter of chance because of the weather your morale right because you okay your lace uh you you caught some rock and you cut off your lace and now your shoe is just wobbling on your on, on your feet now what do you do mm -hmm. like you can just start very getting very disappointed or you can fix it with something like i don't know a barbed wire <laughs> i don't know but the, the point i'm making is like it's up to you to define where are you pushing yourself in the endurance race you can always have a heart rate like you you, you can have a heart rate at 
zone three throughout an ultra you will not die or like zone four throughout an ultra you will not die and it's the same if you're running a marathon you can run a marathon at zone four and you will run it at zone three it's the effort that you set to yourself what is your goal what do you want to push yourself mm. into and then the zones you derive them and you try in you simulate and you try out your strategies for a particular time result if you just want to finish it's one thing if you want to do a best effort to your condition it's second thing if you want to beat last year's performance of a buddy who was joking at you over a christmas party in your office that's a third thing right mm -hmm. so like you set yourself a particular condition and you train to that condition which is like okay i want to smash it out of that what do i need to do it's like eight thousand meters elevation over that uh um <laughs> yeah, it's an 8,000 meter elevation in that 100 miler. So what do I need to do? I need to just train my calves. I need to train my shims. And then what is my nutrition strategy? Does it change if it was a flat one or not? It doesn't mm. actually. Like whether yeah. you go uphill or downhill. It's just like you eat uphill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I hear you. And I'm just, I suppose I'm going against that study where it's saying like becoming fat adapted is, is not it's questionable whether like it allows people to that improves performance at the highest level. I don't know, was that the faster study? No, no, sorry, this is the guy in New Zealand. There yeah, was this a is a d d dietary manipulations concurrent to, endur to endurance training. And yeah, we'll, uh, put, we'll put it into the show notes as well. But yeah, um, but yeah I suppose my, my point is that if you're doing much longer stuff, then having your ability to actually burn fat uh, has got to be able to help you because you don't necessarily need to take on as much glycogen. Um, so it, it's one of the benefits of being able to be to be a better fat burner, better fat. Adapter. Totally, it, it comes naturally with your VO two max. The more the more you can pump through, like again, like you develop the cardiovascular muscle. Don't think yeah. about nutritional alone. It's like your training. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. you develop your VO two max. You go to the superior range of like sixty six to seventy or to seventy two or somewhere there. Your ability to pump up more oxygen will automatically mean that you will in, you will be able to extract more from the triglycerides stored in your muscle with that amount of oxygen available. It's like yeah. automatically. The way that you arrive at that VO2 max is through your planning of your preparation to the race. It's not really related to like, hey, let me drop carbs. It shows something could be achieved by tweaking the diet going into like uh, one of these protocols mentioned in this article. That, yeah. uh, that doesn't actually cancel your requirement to raise your VO2 max anyway. And your, your training about bumping VO2 max is interval training, heel repeats, like you do, you, mm. you know your drill, HIIT. That is what gets you up to the, up to the good uh, age group max uh, VO2. VO2, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so you, you've talked a little bit about gels and stuff like, what, what's your philosophy around race nutrition? have one so there's uh there there there's there is a uh, yeah there's a good um um there, there's a good amount of uh different products uh you need to just make sure that you don't screw up in the race so get yourself prepared um i also am a big believer in the uh, uh race morning minute by minute kind of drill so that you're 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 starting up without i call them passengers basically um uh, well, uh, the con how do you call it? Feces, right? So like, yeah. <laughs> don't carry them around, right? So like all this kind of thing. So the, the, the nutrition in the race starts with the race morning. 
And uh, I'm a very big believer on like a minute by minute protocol of like how you start your morning that day. So what, what would be your brekkie? How would you keep yourself like uh, not hunger, hungry for at least like few, four, few three, four hours that, uh, that, that go from your start line? What is your caffeine strategy like? So um, there are a lot of product uh, a lot of pro products, they all are different and uh, get yourself acquainted with them. Um, make sure that if it's an ultra distance or like, okay, like anything that is closer to 10 hours or more would probably need a little bit of like a protein focus because any day, uh, regardless of your way to extract the protein, there are many ways, um, vegan or vegetarian or whatnot, you need protein, right? So any day, you need about a lot of protein. If you're running a day, you're running an ultra or like a consecutive days like the Hong Kong for ultra trails, you need a lot of protein still. Mm. So think about how you're gonna eat that protein. In, in an ultra endurance world, this is like bars, like try yourself, like get yourself acquainted with the bars. They also add up, they need to have some carbohydrates for this for the food to stick like they 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 they, they are not just like chunk of uh, soybean powder you will not be able to consume it in the race it'll be very demoralizing <laughs> but like what's your protein choice uh how are you going to mix it in what are the times uh through the race that you will take it what's your hydration strategy drink only by thirst yeah. avoid that um hypernatremia the dreadful sin of uh, many am amateur athletes that just stop by every aid station every like bloody two kilometers and have a gulp um yeah so last year i was i was doing the um i was a nutrition coach for stand chart marathon and we did like five facebook lives and uh, most of the amateur runners they were like um so i drink that uh whatever was the sponsor back then, the, uh, the sports drink. So think about it. Think about what will be the drinks in your endure. If it's a supported race, what will be the drinks offered at aid stations? Because you might end up topping up your glycogen stores as well by, by that product or, or not, or it will be just water. So if it is just water, so think about that race in entirety yeah. versus your calorie, usually like about 200 calories an hour, 250 calories an hour caloric intake that you require for an endurance event versus your strategy for uh, the race morning and have have it like prescribed rehearsed uh checked simulated do so do it in training beforehand do I mean, in training yeah do yeah. simulate like for, even for like a even for an ultra run you have to do at least like a um you don't necessarily do a simulator for like a hundred miler but uh you would do maybe like a three runs in two days, like a morning half mara or like, an, and then followed by an evening half mara. And then immediately after that, another half mara, like 60 K in like 18 hours or something, or sorry, in, in 36 hours. Mm. So through that, try to use the same nutrition that you will use in the race, get yourself acquainted. Caffeine, super important, like prepare yourself, do the caffeine uh, fasting the week before, even like two weeks before the race. Mm. Um, there will be, I haven't heard about an ultra event that we have an espresso machine in it, so there will be no pro, uh, no caffeine sources throughout. So like, think about your pills, whether you will mix them with gels, whether you will have um, some other sources. I don't know. So mm. think about caffeine, how it will keep you. Yeah, no, it's really interesting. And the um, <coughs> when it um, are there any kind of gels that you like brands that you recommend? That are I either... it was really really. 
really good. It was really good time when Malta, uh, well, Malta Dextrose gels were available, but they spoil fast. Um, yeah. I think those were like power berries or something, fruit berry uh, okay. from, from, from Power Bar. Yeah. They used to have those gels that were easily metabolized because they were really made of like dextrose, like from, yeah. from fruits, from fructose. Yeah. But uh, they didn't store well, so they actually bursted, like especially in, in heat if you don't store them in the fridge. So yeah. it, was, it was really dreadful. But for now, like I try to mix in most of the gels that I buy are zero caffeine with amino with amino acids. So like I take some protein as a byproduct of my gel and yeah. uh, it still carries the good, uh, good um, uh, calorie uh, content. If it is not a like I uh, I am also now like I, I learned it from few guys uh, from few pros in um, in Ironman. Um, uh, I think Brendan Curry mixes like he he's a ki- like crazy kiwi. He mixes um, he mixes gels into water if I'm not mistaken, or it was not Brendan Curry. So like we had this uh, as as the old world athlete, you have uh, an access to the um, pre race uh, lunch with the with the pros and i asked like who does what and the guys basically they mix in when they start the race they mix in the gels into their water bottles so they basically always have on the on the frame on the bike and in the rear holder behind the saddle they already have the pre-mixed uh, uh content of like a super like concentration like like would they have like a bottle like purely as gels or no no no, no, with, no. Water, with, yeah. with water yeah, like yeah. six six or six or eight gels per water bottle yeah or you can do uh there is a limit to what you can stir in uh from the uh, um f- from the sachets for example you cannot you cannot basically there is some level of at which sugar does not actually anymore yeah. like dissolve in the water yeah. so you want to you want to stick to that thickness and keep it as like your uh, booster and then take water by thirst from the yeah. aid stations. That's kind of how I follow that. So I mix in both gels and the sachets and I start on the on the frame. There's like all this, all the uh, all the sachets already pre-stirred in, in my water yeah. bottle in my front hydration system on the bike. So yeah, for, the, for, for, for the runs, you just carry sachets as, as yeah. much as you can because it's just weight. Yeah, it's interesting. There's a few things I'd like to dig into that. Actually, I'm a big fan of Tailwind. I don't know if you've ever used Tailwind I'm before. a big it's, fan of Tailwind as well. Yeah, it's like just drinking your fuel, I think is really good. To, yeah. But it's also got um, all of the other nutrients like uh, uh, potassium, magnesium and salt. Yeah, it has minerals well. in it. Yeah, the it's a good, good mix. Yeah, yeah but so I still it, take pills. It's just never hurts to have more salt. <laughs> yeah, you take salt. T- so this is another one that I wanted to touch on. So actually a guy I know well, um, uh, I said he works at Red Dot Running. A guy called Alvin Pung. He just um, he just recently ran the Craze Ultra. It's like a kind of roll, road ultra around Singapore, the north of Singapore. Mm-hmm. And he came in second, and um, but then spent the next week in hospital with hyponatremia, and was just been like was completely knocked out and. Um, not good. <laughs> it's not good. It's not good at all. I mean, it's, I really felt for him. Is um, uh, you know, and he was drinking Tailwind for the like first half of it, and I think like the second half he was just drinking mainly water and just drinking too much of it. So. Imagine he had a small zip bag, and I usually carry a couple of them. And I also like it doesn't cost much to over prepare yeah. the zip bag with salt tablets, and there are multiple brands that have caffeine, don't have caffeine. Again, caffeine yeah. strategy. Yeah. Um, 
over prepare have like two of them because if you pull pull it out like you're on the bike like 180k or like you're in the race it falls into i don't know abyss of uh, of, uh, of everest or I don't know. you 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 lose it then what yeah. so you have to have a backup and um, imagine he uh, that 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 um, poor guy that had to recover through a hospitalization uh, imagine he had a zip bag with just about like 12 small pills it would only add up like five grams of extra weight yeah so then i mean it doesn't water always follows electrolytes so the best example is like you take a regular salt which is like a this is like what we have in our intracellular liquid you put a grain of salt on the table and then you put a drop next to it the, the drop will get absorbed right yeah. so the water follows electrolytes you yeah. with your sweat you lose the electrolytes so you nothing holds your water inside this is just the simplest explanation why you need to replenish yeah. electrolytes yeah. And then if you don't have water inside, you have uh, con your conduit for the, neural, uh, for the neural signals to your muscle, A, and then just generally the way that you can cool your body down. So in Singapore or in Asia, generally evaporation is a very big problem. Like we, we have a high humidity level outside. So for us to cool ourselves down, we need to push a lot of energy to our um lymphatic system uh, to, to, to drive the water content through the body cells towards the skin to evaporate efficiently. And we'll lose a lot of water just because of that. Yeah. So replenishing, 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 yeah. important. And I'm the one thing I picked up from there is drink to thirst. You hear about it a lot, but not loading up with water just because you feel yourself sweating. You you should only really drink when when you're drink. like when when, when your, it your really, body regulates itself in that respect. Yeah, when you really when you really thirst, especially on the run, like mm. um, on the bike, it's sometimes you you kind of like don't feel because is, your yeah. apparent wind is higher. So your, your evaporation rate is higher on the bike. So on yeah. 180K kind of like Ironman leg, you want to force yourself to drink a little bit more because you don't feel thirsty yeah. because you don't kind of like perceive how much you, you, you perspire and like how much yeah. you're sweaty. But the, uh, the good rule of thumb that I follow is like, I just look at, the, um, at my uh, attire when I'm, when, when I'm running. If it's got salt on it, salt on it, then then a couple of salt sticks, like a couple of yeah. tabs, and uh, just whenever I want, I ask myself twice, like mentally checking with my body system, like do I need some more water? Do I have some more water inside? Yeah. Uh, there was this marathon runner, a prominent um, anecdote. It's not really anywhere logged, but the anecdote says that Abebe Bikila in 1970 he ran the Berlin Marathon barefoot. And uh, was it Berlin or Paris? <coughs> Some marathon in Europe. And he didn't drink. So he just like ran it. <coughs> so, and then sports drinks, come on. It's a, it's a big industry. If you go to Google Scholar and then you look for the uh, Gatorade Institute keyword, you'll find how many different hydration uh, specific papers, scientific papers are there with a huge bias to this commercial. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things in that. So, um, I've like, there's a guy, there's a coach in Australia called Andy Deboy. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he's one of the top sort of endurance, uh, certainly ultra runner coaches. And he he's spoken a lot. I, I've heard a couple of podcasts that he's been on and things that he's written around um, you consuming salt in the middle of like a race is just not going to be able. To, it's not going to help. Your body should have enough salt to be able to. 
um, to be able to regulate itself. And I don't have like the full detail around it, but it, like we'll, we'll put a couple of um, links in the show notes. Um, but there's also the book um, Endure by Alex Hutchinson. I don't know if you've read that at all. It's like the uh, curious um, limits of human endurance or something. But one of the things he talks about in that, and I'm pretty sure it was Haile Gabrielassie when he um, when he did a record uh, marathon time. He like lost. He also didn't drink or very little, and he like lost. I think it was something ridiculous, like 17% or 20% of his body weight, just purely in water loss. Yeah, it's so, water content. Yeah, water content. And um, and so your body has the ability to like to to lose that much water but it's then as long as it can maintain the certain the, the right levels of minerals to be able so that you don't um no yeah. not not really so uh the work. the science the science puts some dehydration stages so uh there's this uh uh before you die out of dehydration you're in delirium before delirium i think you're like losing conscious on and off and then uh, before that, you, you kind of barely orientate yourself. So you become like a little bit light-minded. Yeah. So uh, the easiest way for you to assess where you're at is again, just like uh, ask yourself, do I really want to, like twice, do I really want to drink? Do yeah. I really want to drink? That way you will consciously control the uh, not going into kind of yellow territory. You don't want to go to the red territory, yeah. but just ask yourself, do I really want to drink? Do I really want to drink? And again, we're not. I'm. I'm not sure how many next, next, uh, in, in next, uh, say, ten years, how many of uh, the listeners of this podcast would be like an Elias Kipchoge contenders? You know, like they're all crazy outrun this guy or something. But we're we're aspired uh, amateur athletes in general, right? So we don't want to go crazy. So never go to the extreme. But ask yourself, like, just just ask. Do I really want to drink? Do I really want to drink? Repeat it a couple of times. Every aid station is probably not in a marathon distance. Every second aid station is probably gulp, like a small cap. But you you come up the the idea of the race morning protocol. The the thing that I that I've mentioned is like you come prepared to the start of the race. So you come with your um, three hours before the run. You had your brekkie. Uh, two hours before the run, you load it up like as much as you possible can, possibly can on liquids. Then you go and find a place to 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 dump all that because there will be like all these potties. It will be crowded. You need to have like a place where you will, for, pardon me, like weed out, right? So yeah. like, but you come at a good water level to the start of the race, and then yeah. you just top up, and you have that reserve. The buffer is big. Yeah. So you can mentally check in in your thirst. Ask yourself. Just it, it's there is nothing more powerful than cogn- uh, being cognitive about like cognizant about like where I am. Yeah. Don't go into yellow or like red. If you're yeah. feeling like light light minded or you're getting depressed, have a gulp. Like don't stop it. But don't definitely like I wouldn't recommend even on standard marathon distance like on a even on the very six hour ish beginner athlete. Do it every two aid stations, not every aid station, mm. because you get used to it. Next time you see an aid station, you will slow down, you will have a gulp, then you don't want to run because mm. you just had a gulp. So it's by the 32nd kilometer, it's like you still have 10K to go yeah. and you're already like drinking, drinking, drinking. It's bad. Yeah. Yeah. They talk about in uh, Alex Hutchinson in his book as well, talks about just swishing um, like a, a sugary drink around your mouth, but not actually consuming it. It's also, it yeah, and spit it out is another way to, I don't want to like, tricks the brain that you have taken on uh, liquids but it seems to um 
yeah, it seems to be another um, uh, another method you can use. Um, what are your thoughts around supplements then? Around general minerals and supplements, whether it be multivitamins or, um, firstly, finding out what supplements you should or you you could potentially be deficient of, mm-hmm. and then and and then how to think about consuming them and what time and whether it is and I mean it's such a big industry now like where is it worth it can uh, you get it all from food uh <clears throat> that's a like uh there there I will just answer like I'll just tr- jump s- straight into the beetroot debate if you don't mind the beetroot debate yeah, yeah okay. so the beetroot debate um Again, the same guy that is uh, like big shout out to Jeff Rothschild. Um, uh, they did a controlled study on the beetroots, and uh, uh, there is, uh, I'm guess, I, I guess, like I'm quoting against the study. Um, the there is a limited evidence that suggests that may that there may be small but favorable effects of endurance training with nitrate supplementation, and uh, particular, uh, like long story short. Um, you are able to develop your uh, type 2, the uh, fast twitch muscles, you are able to develop them faster and better and uh, therefore you have like a peak uh, interval, like top end power for whenever you need to power through a mountain if you're climbing like an ul- in, inside your, in your ultra or you need to overtake it or you overtake someone on a bike if you're doing an Ironman. So you will have a better uh, top end power there. And uh, they, uh, they they put some measures in that paper to it. So there is, again, like a debatable amount of small evidence about beetroot. I actually don't do beetroot myself. I will mm. probably start be- just because like this is the very recent study. Jeff only published it like a couple of months ago. So um, now to the supplements, uh, I personally, when I when I train with like 100K kind of weeks when, when training for, for ultras, I, um, I definitely think about my joints. So um, I, um, I prefer the uh, uh, collagen peptides kind of like supplements. The, uh, um, the brand that I do is called Gela Drink. So they're okay. they manufactured in uh, Czech Republic. And uh, they only, uh, they're sold in like big uh, cans, like half a kilo can, and you should take it for about like 30 days. So that helped me a lot when I was prepping for all ultras. I was taking it at like at the peak of the training before you kind of like start eating out because just, I don't know, like it, it just feels better to me. There is a, a controlled study about um, uh, collagen peptides and uh, condo protectors. Uh, they are not on humans though. They measured like they actually went into I think the joints of uh, dogs and horses, and they kind of like figured out that there is some again slight positive effect that that they bring in. They didn't do that on humans per se, if I'm if I'm not wrong with my uh, with my research, but it it worked for me and overall ultras and I like I, I like come on it was not joke like 120 120 130k weeks it's it's a lot of running especially in Singapore everything is not on is not on trails it's on tarmac yeah with you even if you have like a good heel drop of like 10 10 millimeters it's like still a lot of impact yeah. so these are kind of supplements That's that I personally yeah. per- personally prefer to do on recovery uh, people sometimes confuse uh, compensation with recovery this is the major uh, amateur mistake so when you're doing a training that is less than two hours long or something like that you don't actually need any recovery so if you're doing like a long wearing out uh, protein type of 
like run or or cycle for like everything that you do in cycling actually you need to double up to what you do in running so it's like if you're running for two hours then you have to have some recovery but it's only four hours on the bicycle that then need the recovery so people actually take compensation effects which are a psychological belief that you can afford this kind of like pizza or like beef like steak whatever they substitute it to the real needs of recovery protein wise during the recovery i take protein powders just mm -hmm. because i'm like I, i'm like i'm not a vegetarian like i like my uh, chicken ch chicken breast and uh, egg whites uh, not at all like a, 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 not at this point in life i'm considering veganism for many reasons um maybe maybe later who knows but the uh, uh, protein uh, powders uh, there's there's a good one um uh, new zest very very tasty yeah, one yeah yeah I, I liked it so i do the smoothies like after long rides or something like that just do the protein smoothie um in a blender with uh, with a banana and um, off you go with yogurt fat-free yogurt already has a decent amount of protein content with with the kind of carbohydrates in in form of lactose throw in a banana or throw in apple uh just for the taste there is no fiber if you blend it in the uh, in the blender. Why does it need to be low fat? <laughs> I just because we uh, we live in we live in Singapore. Like it's uh, uh, the amount of adipose tissue that we carry is not needed. Like I mean, we we, we basically have such a warm weather. Mm. Being very lean on fat is mm. absolutely like comfortable. If mm. I travel, if I do like a cross-country skiing in Finland, I regret about it. Like, mm. honestly, I really regret if I go like uh, to, uh, to, to Finland or to Sweden to do skiing because you then need some fat. Mm. But here I try to just like purge it as much as possible from my food, visible fats, um, nutrition information labeling. Low fat is very controlled word in Singapore. So that really means low fat. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the time with low fat, then they've just added in sugar, though, to be able to that, increase the, the flavor, the taste of it. That, that is, you, you read that on the nutrition information panel, it's, it's debatable, but sometimes some manufacturers do that. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But uh, on, the, on the positive side, so getting back to the yeah. supplements, um, basically, uh, yeah, so beetroot, um, good um, I never did it myself. Will do uh, the uh, uh, the peptides, and uh, it's it's only for for long, really long, a lot of running, kind of like hundred k weeks. I do that, yeah. uh, and uh, protein for eccentric exercises as recovery and mean. recovery is immediately and so protein shakes after protein the shakes after eccentric. Yeah, so like mm. for me, eccentric would be at this level of my endurance readiness, maybe like two and a half runner two two and a half uh, hours run or like yeah. five hours cycle other than yeah. that is just like normal don't do anything and so what about things like multivitamins like if taking uh, additional like vitamin b's or like uh, or i like i take them um, uh, i did a, uh, a a test called dna fit and yeah. it, it it was able to give an indication of potential um vitamins that i might be deficient of and it's not it's it's only directional it's not like a, a blood test that can tell you you haven't got exactly yeah, yeah. so we are getting back to the nutritional needs assessment thing so yeah. go do the biochemical blood test this is the best thing you can do figure out what's the actual deficiency level whether it is there or not there so dna test is great i mean it's interesting i like it 
Uh, however, just the very old school blood test, like what is what is needed uh, on the multivitamins. I, I vitamins can be um, some of them could be toxic in excess. Some of them cannot be toxic in excess. Uh, the good news is we live in Asia, so we have so many really, really great fruits available. Like what is the best? Like, let me ask you the same question that I ask in all of my workshops. Yeah. What is the best uh, source of uh, vitamin C in your opinion? I mean, people instantly think oranges just because that, but it's, but I know it's not uh, apples probably, or um, is it something like papaya or something random like that? Or uh, uh, pineapple? Um, no, this is the thing. So yeah. the best, actually the best, most loaded. Tomatoes to, maybe. No, the best, lo the best loaded fruit, which is easily available around Singapore, everywhere, around Asia. Guava. Take Guava. a look at okay, how there much there is. It's just like 300 micrograms, I think. It's yeah. just insane. It's like almost two and a half times more than an orange. And at the same time, all, all very low, uh, very low fructose level and yeah. huge fiber content. Guava, like papaya, yeah, you mentioned, is great because it also carries uh, it's a lot of fiber. A, a lot of fiber, yeah. It's very water, like a lot of water content in it. So it's very, it's like by by, uh, it le it's less than guava. It's probably around what orange would give you, but it carries like a lot of satiation. And mm. uh, in comparison to, uh, and it's lower fructose compared to orange. All of that stuff is just like research. You can you can dig into it. You can ask like myself a, in uh, in Instagram or in Facebook. But like there there is no need to take pills if you live in Asia. Just eat fruits. Yeah, it's yeah. it's honestly it's honestly unless again unless your biochemical assessment of your nutritional needs shows that there is a certain deficiency. Yeah. In uh, you won't believe me. The the uh, PhD one of the PhDs that taught us the nutrition science course. Uh, she claimed that there is every like six Singaporean has a vitamin D deficiency yeah. because they take bus to MRT to the office tunnel to the office tower and then they go for lunch they open up an umbrella yeah and put suntan lotion like like 50 uh, SPF suntan lotion on yeah not good not yeah. inspiring but yeah this is the reality um, yeah. by, 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 any, by any chance start with uh, knowing what's your status quo do the biochemical uh, just blood test basically like a, a full blown blood test will give you all the recommendations yeah, yeah. What, what about alcohol? Because <laughs> I, because I love a drink, and I, it's one of my, it's my nemesis. Like I, uh, I have to have at least a drink. Yeah. Uh, how, how did the Native Americans called it? Red, Red Devil, right? Was it? Uh, I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, um, I think the, uh, the answer is uh, very simple. There are only four types of fuel that we humans can consume in, uh, in our. In, in our life four times four of, types types of of fuel like okay. yeah the the macronutrients you call them micronutrients so like yep. they're they're only protein carbohydrates and lipids the fats yep. but there's a fourth type of fuel which is alcohol which we metabolize uh as a priority because it's toxic it's a toxin so whenever you eat and then you drink alcohol your metabolization switches to processing alcohol first so whoever tells you that to sober up, you need to go eat some junk food. Don't listen to them because it's like complete BS. Um, alcohol is great. Uh, the uh, stories about, um, I think they still do that. It's not really an anecdote. I think that those um, avalanche rescue dogs in Alps, 
They carry like a small barrel with uh, with with whiskey or with vodka or with grog. Really? Yeah, the Saint Bernards, those those yeah, yeah. dogs, you know, that can yeah, actually yeah. save people by digging them up from uh, digging them from the avalanches. Yeah. They have like these collards, and there is uh, some certain amount of like very high alcohol content stuff. If I'm not mistaken, it used to be like that, but um, maybe they're not long, no longer doing that. It just is a immediate burst of energy. Seven calories per gram is no joke right it's almost like immediately available with uh, so fuels that we've mentioned uh alcohol only needs about a liter of oxygen per gram to gain to yield the seven uh calories of energy uh it's almost what a a carbohydrate gets uh, carbohydrate is four calories per gram at one liter uh-huh. fat is like nine but you yeah. need two liters of oxygen so it's very efficient it's like seven calories per gram one liter of oxygen but it has a side effect you're basically you're basically drunk (laughs) so if there was a way to run a marathon drunk I mean, I would be the first guy doing it. <laughs> you're rushing, you're like me, yeah. you'll be mainlining vodka. Yeah. Yeah. But, but like, uh, honestly, um, it's all about your uh, status quo. I have uh, like, like I, I, I have uh, a role that is customer facing, and I uh, in my in my in my uh, in my full time job. So like, nutrition definitely is uh, an aspirational to aspiration to be the full time job. But full time job is a full time job. So the full time job uh, is customer facing. So having a wine um, is normal. I mean, it's far, part of part of our social life. And uh, it takes a lot of uh, it takes a lot of uh, effort to switch to like the solution. Some some people like myself. If I'm in a in a session with a lot of customers, I prefer to just have like Coke Zero and put like a lime in it, so it looks like as if I'm drinking like a Coke uh, whiskey Coke or something yeah. like that. Um, do not overdo. Everything is great in moderation, but it is a very dense source of energy. It counts. So if you have like your estimated energy requirements planned for the week that we talked about, figure out how much is your drink. Um, it's very easy math. Again, seven grams is for a spirit, which is 100% alcohol. So uh, like if you have 100 grams of wine, uh, which is like half a glass, it's about like 100 calories plus. Yeah. instantly right yeah, so yeah. you're and plus there's some uh, side effects to it because your hunger will be uh at the same level but your uh, aspiration to to take some snacks to take some additional energy from the canopies and like mm. um the 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 the, the how we call them nib, nib, nibbles yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that's kind of dangerous so yeah and and then also you have the like hangover effect of the next day not wanting to get up and train the solution is to have uh, a very sweet liquor super super sweet liquor right before you want to end up the party like, so, like a you, schnapps or something or yeah like a, yeah i do like a grand marnier or yeah. or um an old-fashioned like this is a yeah. super loaded cocktail yeah so you wake up the the the, the sense of a hangover uh, is because your glycogen stores are still depleted and you have a lot of toxins so like if you basically eat that sugarish drink before you go to bed and then you can like force yourself to, to put your socks on and whatnot at 5 a.m in the morning it kind of works for me on business trips only it's kind of exhausting yeah but yeah after like say uh, if it's a big gathering in our in our, in, in, a, in a firm um like maybe a couple of wine glasses and then a grand marnier or or um 
or or the old fashioned, and then I still hit my uh, 12k run in the morning. That's that's yeah, the solution. No, I'm glad you said that, Arsene. We can still drink. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that as a Approved. Russian as well. <laughs> Everything is good in moderation. Think about the side effects. Don't do it on the important race eves. Uh, yeah. Definitely get completely like I get out of alcohol a, a, a month before the race. Yeah. But uh, and also in between mid season, don't don't abuse it. It is a very dense energy source. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Um, so yeah, I'd like to run through like a few quick fire questions then, just to sort of close up, Arsene. Um, sure. Just a few like uh, personal ones and background. So like, what's been um, uh, what makes you emotional? Um, I think it's uh, music. Uh, decent good, good movies good movies i recently like it's it's really it's really weird but i watched a very old movie with tom hanks called uh, big yeah i watched that on the plane recently it's so cool it's just <laughs> so like and i'm like i'm a grown-up i'm like just it's it, it just so he, he, yeah i don't know like if you didn't if you didn't see that movie please oh, please tom go hanks is a legend yeah, yeah he's a legend most yeah. inspirational book um that's a good question so I uh, I recently read uh, because I have a teenage daughter. I read an iGen um, that's uh, by uh, Gene Twenge. Uh, that was very inspirational to understand like what the smartphones and the culture of always on, always online, um, peer pressure, whatnot, what it does on uh, teenagers. So it really made me rethink the strategy of engaging. Like I really want to do more and share about. Uh, like health and endurance with younger generations and I think there is this huge gap that we all like as adults need to address and it's just like what's a, the it's book a, called? iGen I-G-E-N I-G-E-N yeah I, so I it's, it's a really yeah. yeah and it's data driven book um, based on the longitude studies of uh, polls that they send out to high schoolers in the US and whatnot it's like absolutely fantastic inspirational book another one was um um, Douglas Rushkoff's, I guess, uh, throwing uh, throwing rocks at Google buses. That was a very good book that I read um, um, about where we're all headed to as a society of uh, pursuing like value bumping, always growth. We need to kind of like settle in, do more barter, chill, fix things instead of you know buying new things and um, add value, contribute back into community. Like what you're doing, like what I'm actually doing at this uh, at, the, at this podcast. So I think like we need to stop at some point, otherwise the planet will not sustain us. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Matt Fitzgerald would uh, 80-20 yeah. running, um, endurance great. diet, many other things. Yeah, cool. We'll, we'll add those links into the show notes. Um, any podcasts that you listen to or can recommend? I am uh, I'm a music guy. I, I don't probably like audiobooks is the best I can comprehend. Uh, yeah. I, I'm not uh, unfortunately not a podcast uh, guy. So this is actually like my first experience on the podcast. I, I wish uh, there were more topics to discuss. It really sounds fun. Yeah. But I, I didn't have any experience as a kind of like a podcast listener before. You'll have to go and start start by listening to I, Andre Bloomberg's then if you haven't listened to that already on the, on the Endurance Asia podcast. Yay. Um, any, um, what are your favorite endurance tech apps? Are there any, you, you being a technology guy, like are there any, um, uh, obviously food buddy, um, but uh, that is out, outside of your, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that like I, uh, I, I just follow crazy people on Strava, like big shout out yeah. to Alan Bradley, uh, who is in our uh, integrated riding team, although he just moved to Dubai, he's still with us. So he, he managed the race across America solo oh, really? yeah, this wow. year. And uh, he's, he's training right now, he's training for uh, Trans-Siberian Red Bull. 
So just following him on Strava is good enough. And also like Strava is amazing. And then just being friends on like Facebook with, uh, yeah, with Andre, with uh, Jag. uh, Yeah. Yeah. Like we ran, we ran the PYT together. Like he was, he was ahead of me. He brought me like an hour and a half or like even more. Like he's he's a phenomenal runner. Yeah. Yeah. So just, but these apps, like, I mean, I I sunsetted my own food body, uh, food food body app just because people have a bias to not do you know diligent tracking i i'm yeah. i i have a paranoid couple of paranoid acquaintances that track their calories and nutrition intakes but 98 percent of people will tweak their diet to look great which is not really the purpose of diet log of like yeah, nutritional yeah. assessment so it just doesn't work scientifically proven discarded and okay. uh, yeah i guess strava so Strava yeah, is Strava. just following right people on Strava is the most motivation. I've just been introduced to Training Peaks actually, and I've got a uh, plan on that. So that's a yeah, it's an interesting it's a, product. Actually. It's a, it's an interesting product. Yeah, I, I researched it. It's I think it's a very easy way for coaches to mentor lots of yeah. uh, mentees remotely. Yeah. So it's very like very dependent what's the use case. Uh, yeah. So if you have like a coach that is able to just uh, have a call with you once every now and then and give you like a plan in Excel, like that also works. So one of one of the really cool Harry Jones, uh, yeah, a good yeah, acquaintance in, of in mine. Bangkok, right? Yeah, in in in. Uh, oh, I mean, Chiang Mai, sorry. He's place. now oh, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah, now he's, he's now on the uh, on the on the world uh, world tour, running everywhere. He can. Hey, Harry. So I think he he just basically does does the Google spreadsheets as well. So like, yeah. it's not like there is no particular thing i mean yeah Yeah, that's cool um any kit that you would recommend for under a hundred dollars i know that you're sort of ironman cyclist um and and do a bit of trail running as well but what what's like 100 bucks that's a good one i know Um, it doesn't work very well when you've got with bike actually uh, yeah it's like um a bit different category (laughs) but um i think these socks yeah, yeah, Ingenian. Cyclist loves. Oh, Ingenian no, no, socks. No, 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 yeah, yeah, running, 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 running. Yeah. Um, uh, Ingenie, Ingenie socks and Drymax. The combination actually, I, I always double layer when I do like an ultra distance. So yeah. Ingenie on the inside and Drymax on the outer side. That's um, good the other one under hundred bucks. Uh, almost at under hundred. At under hundred bucks was my um, was my uh, uh, membership in. Uh, uh Merle Talviste, what's her what's her squad swimming squad swim smooth Singapore big shout out to them they are very good so like if you really want to learn efficient swimming and you really want to have like a good group where you'll have a peer pressure in the right in the right term like not extreme uh join find Merle uh Talviste. she's a she's an amazing athlete um ex um ex very competitive um uh, athlete herself so can, can you share the link to that as well because i i want to do an ironman at some point and yeah I can barely yeah. save my life and then the yeah just under 100 bucks i guess like swim pads fins this is yeah. the best bank like bank for the buck if you want to. and uh the uh, how you call those heavy balls for the core medicine uh, balls. medicine balls yeah, yeah. yeah they're also like 20 or 30 bucks each so yeah. when you when you're doing your planks, then you switch it and do the uh, uh, twists of the medicine bowl. These are kind of under 100 bucks things. Yeah. But there are not too many in the cycling world, I understand. Yeah, no, cycling <laughs> is, a, is a rich man's sport. Um, Arseni, mate, it's been a really good discussion. Like, I really uh, really appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your philosophy around nutrition. Um, 
how can people like get hold of you or, or be able to find out about you? Awesome. Yeah. So just find me on Instagram. This is our main channel, instagram.com slash food buddy. Uh, I am also responding to any uh, uh, coaching inquiries on Facebook, on our Facebook food buddy. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you want, I can arrange a workshop with, uh, with, your, uh, with your company so you can gather like your running club. So my, my customers are like Facebook. Uh, I also am a, a, a people action uh, trainer, PA trainer in Singapore, it allows me to talk to like any government uh, organizations and to uh, regional communities. So yeah, just reach out somehow, tell me what you want to achieve, tell me where, where your goals at and like we'll figure out what, what could be just do, workable, doable for you. So we'll yeah. find a way. Excellent. I'm sure people have taken a lot from um, from the discussion. They can Hope also follow you, on, follow you on Strava as well. Watch you smashing the bike. Uh, <laughs> you're a, it yeah. seems to be in a pretty impressive training block. So, mate, Arseni, thank you very much for joining the Endurance Asia podcast. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. That was cool. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Well, there we are. Arseni Chernoff with some really interesting insight into into nutrition for endurance athletes um it's just me on the post show today uh rick stockfish is a, a massive congratulations to him and his wife fix um having their uh, their second uh, second born child lila um and re- really happy for him but yeah you've just got me at the end of the end of the pod today um, but yeah, really enjoyed that discussion with Arseni um, and I, re- I recommend checking out the show notes because there's really in-depth um, analysis in there that we and, and a lot of the, uh, the reports and research that, that Arseni cited in the, uh, in the discussion are in, uh, including the links in the show notes. My key takeaways really are um, firstly just um, that there is no silver bullet there's no perfect diet for for anyone and i think before deciding on um on a nutritional strategy understanding your baseline through through having blood work is um is a really good place to start um also understanding your goals what, what you're working towards whether it be a specific race or whether it be weight loss um and and then understanding your um your um eer your your um uh, how much uh, energy you're uh, using so there's a link in um to do your energy re- your estimated energy requirement calculator in the uh, in, in the show notes um but if you search for estimated energy requirements you can find that out as well and that will be able to give you a, a sort of idea and you can look at all of your your previous um training to understand your how much energy you're uh, you're using uh, and that will give you an idea of like the 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 volume that you of calories you, you need to eat um yeah I think that the other big takeaway was um, was that you need to kind of uh, balance for each different um, uh, each different exercise and uh, and each different training session. I was quite um, quite interested to hear about needing to to eat prior to training. I've been a really big proponent of of doing most of my training fasted. Um, 
having said that i mean if you're doing a higher level of intensity taking on some food prior to training or at least immediately after training in the morning is uh at, to um to speed up recovery uh, it makes a lot of sense to me so that's something i'm i'm going to um going to look to do in future um and yeah he recommends some um some good products to use to training and i also th- really um really believe in his philosophy around drinking to thirst um here in uh, in asia where there is a feeling that you have to have to load up on um on water to overcome the amount of perspiration you do in the hot and humid weather i mean i, I mentioned in the podcast about Alvin Pung, who um, after the craze ultra spent a, a week in hospital, like really, really tough on him. And uh, I've been messaging him um, recently, and he's he's certainly getting better, thank God. Um, but he's going to be um, he's going to have to sort of rest from training for a bit. But it's a really um, like it, it definitely highlights to everyone the importance of um, of monitoring the um, the amount of of water they need to intake during uh, during exercise and just asking yourself the question am i thirsty do i need to drink am i thirsty um and more often than not i mean we, we you can um the body can dehydrate a lot and i think arseny talks about you know there's there's many different phases you go through to like extreme dehydration but you'll start to get dizzy and there'll be a few warning signs where you um, before you're overly dehydrated or getting to heat stroke level um but uh, yeah just asking yourself the question am i thirsty um is a is a really good um good good place to start um but yeah, I really enjoy it. I recommend checking out um, the Food Buddy on Instagram um, and uh, and looking out for for Arsini on there. And yeah, as I say, check out the show notes because there's a there's some really in depth um, and some links in there to um, to a lot of the the research cited. Uh, so we've got some great um, guests coming up over the next few weeks. Um, we've uh, we, we've locked in a. Um, uh, Alessandro Sherpa, who's uh, absolutely like killing it on the Asia Trail Master scene at the moment. He's uh, um, uh, he's based in Malaysia, but he's like he's he's got a really intense um, professional job. Um, he works in sort of aer- um, aerospace um, parts, and he is all over the place. But he manages to to. Uh, maintain a, a pretty intense professional career as well as being like you know on the top of the um uh, the rankings and the asia trail master um uh, it's getting pretty competitive up there um and then we've also got a uh, another um absolute legend from the ultra running community specifically in hong kong but uh, across asia with john ellis coming up in a in a few weeks um he is uh, uh, also like doing really well in the Asia Trail Masters, um, but he, he's going to be racing the Oxfam Trail Walker in a in a mixed team this year, um, and yeah, I think they've got pretty high hopes of um, of being on the podium and potentially winning the race um, this year. 
off the back of him winning the men's um, and the, the gone running team winning the, the men's race in the Oxfam Trailwalker last year. So, um, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to catching up with him. I'm also racing Oxfam Trailwalker, so we're going to be catching up the day after and, uh, and we'll be able to share our war stories from that really iconic race. Um, um, so yeah, looking, uh, looking forward to the, the, the next few weeks. I, I'm also in, in, um, in training for, uh, an Everesting attempt in, uh, in Singapore. So I've, uh, after having, um, Alan Grant on the podcast talking about his, uh, his cycling Everestings in, uh, in Singapore where he's done three, I've done one on the bike before, uh, but I've been thinking about it for a while. Um, I wanted to. I do a charity event every year, and uh, and so this year I've decided to do Book a Team and planning it, planning it in for for mid December. So uh, I'm spending my uh, my weekends prepping for that, going up and down Book a Team Hill. Um, so that should be a, should be fun. Um, so yeah, looking. Uh, we'll we'll. Catch you all in a couple of weeks' time. Don't forget to um, to check out all the socials um, and yeah, please uh, uh, leave a five star review or um, uh, on on Apple Podcasts and the like, um, so other people can uh, can find the podcast. Um, but yeah, getting some really good feedback and um, and really uh, be good to get recommendations from people and another to, to to have on the on the podcast. So. With that, we'll um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining, cause things ain't that bad.